Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I'm excited again to have the first week of November be a week of celebration and really finding all the young leaders out there. We have done this previously in September and I interviewed three amazing leaders and I continue to get recommended to young leaders around the globe. And I do believe that children are our future. And today I'm excited to have you meet and learn about Michael Weaver Jr. Michael was referred to me by one of my previous podcast episode guests, Lisa Lang. And she said, Deb, you got to interview this young man. He's exemplary. He is such a leader. So Michael is a 2020 first generation graduate of Kentucky State University. Michael earned his BA in music and also achieved many other accomplishments during his tenure there. Over the past five years, Michael has discovered his gifts as a speaker, a musician, and an actor. Utilizing these gifts, Michael has been able to travel the world, motivate children, college students, teachers, political organizations, and businesses to be the best they can be. Recently, in the fall of 2020, Michael is continuing his education at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he's pursuing his master's in educational leadership and policy analysis with a focus on higher education and student affairs. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You know, I always love and enjoy speaking to younger students, especially when a fellow colleague says to me, Deb, you need to meet this young guy. He's amazing. Lisa speaks so highly of you. So I'm very excited to interview you and I'm ready to dive in if you are. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. I am taken back, not, not in a surprised way, I'm in awe and compelled to ask you, at such a young age, who was a mentor for you, Michael, or who fostered the leader in you? Wow. Um, So many people have contributed to my early success and uh, my leadership. Uh, So I feel bad if I name names. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, my mom is probably the, the key influencer. Uh, to everything that, to my foundation, to everything that I do. Um, And, you know, she just always reminded me at a young age to, you know, be you, you know, and and to be a leader and not a follower. Um, And to, you know, just always be the best version of myself possible. And then I was a a star. Um, And so, of course, to, you know, to parents, to children, you know, you're perfect. 
in their eyes. And so um, <laughs> for the longest, I just thought I was perfect. And so, uh, but that, uh, you know, that allowed me to really be confident in myself and confident in my abilities. And the, uh, the leadership roles just, you know, they just came and um, I fit into it. But I also learned, the counterpart is I also learned um, how to be a, a great follower as well and when to be a good follower. And so um, when you learn how to follow, then you learn how to lead. Well, shout out to all the moms out there. And I know you're probably going to make your mom cry when she listens to this, but such powerful words that have really helped you grow into a leader and aspire to be you and to be the best version of self. I love that. And that's the talk that I have with my children. So how impactful and what a beautiful influence your mom has been. So here's the question that everyone gets on the show. What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership, Michael? Wow. Uh, you know, the one thing that I still continue to struggle with is um, understanding that my best is not everyone else's best and meeting people where they are and then elevating them from there. And so it's really hard to lead a team when you are forcing them to kind of, you know, do things your way or to kind of get to what you think is your highest level, when in reality, you know, their highest level may be better or, or different from yours. And so um, my former university president, uh, Dr. Brown, would always say that there's your way, there's my way, and there's the right way. And, um, you know, I had to, I'm still learning and allowing myself to let others lead the way that, you know, they feel comfortable. And um, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> most of the time I really learn new things and, um, and understand that, you know, my way, you know, wasn't the best way that time. And so it's always about getting the right results for the people that you serve. Well, wise words for a young leader. And again, it's nice that Dr. Brown has shared with you a cliche that I remember hearing you know, there's my version, your version, and then the right version. So isn't it neat how these cliches, or I like to sometimes call them mnemonics, are traveling through the decades and still fostering leadership. That's really, really beautiful. And I love that you're authentic and transparent to say that sometimes we have to let others lead because sometimes not everyone can see their worth and worthiness. And sharing the limelight is authentic leadership when our ego's not involved. So very, very insightful, Michael. Thank you. Now, I know that you are a young leader who likes to set out to do things that are new and fresh, or maybe that haven't been done before. And I know you allude that you also are known to not go down the path that's already created, but instead trailblaze a new path. Share with us where this methodology comes from and give us an example. Wow. Um, so I, I, I've had a, I've had the, you know, opportunity and privilege to connect with um, a few university presidents. And one of the probably um, key moments in my life as a leader was connecting with Dr. Herman Felton, who is now the president at Wiley College. And I was asking him about leadership styles. I was interested. And because the only leadership style that I had heard of was servant leadership. Um, but when talking to him, he introduced me to transformational leadership. 
And um, then I explored that idea. And from that point on, my, my goal was to be a servant leader, but as well as a transformational leader. And being the transformational leader, you know, um, you don't necessarily do things the normal way, the traditional way, but you seek to find ways to build upon the things that have already been done and do it in a new and fresh way um, that, you know, brings buy-in and uh, really serves the people well. And so uh, having that, con you know, that conversation really opened my mind to the world of uh, endless possibilities when it comes to leadership. And so, I mean, you know, I constantly ask myself when leading, you know, well, how can this be better? What can I do better? Or how can, you know, how can I reach the students better? And, um, you know, this habit that I've gotten into, this routine of uh, forcing myself to be transformational has allowed me to do some great things. Uh, I think about um, serving as the SGA president uh, during that time, I did two, uh, I did three probably um, community service driven uh, ideas, but I wanted them to be big. And so um, the biggest one or my favorite one was I did Streets for the Streets uh, blanket drive. And I was able to collect uh, about 1500 plus blankets for um, the homeless in four different states in Ohio, Missouri, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Um, and, you know, those are the type of things that, um, contribute to transformational leadership, you know, just not thinking just in your community, well, what other communities could I impact? And so you just have to have that bigger pick, that big picture vision of, you know, I can't just focus here. I have to think about how I can really help everybody have an impact on everyone. Well, again, it's you, you, it's wise words that you have and, and you're such a young leader and I know you're an entrepreneur and it segues nice into my last leadership question is, you are the founder of Dreamweaver Motivation, and I know that you're doing some consulting, some speaking, and some mentoring, and I love your tagline that if people hire you, they won't regret it. What, what inspiring advice could you give to another young person who's a recent grad like yourself, who may be considering going on with their masters or they're going to take a pause and transition to the workforce. Where did you get that grit and tenacity to be the founder of Dreamweaver Motivation? And tell us how you keep fear and ego balanced. Oh, wow. Um... You know, when starting, when you're starting a business, when you're starting anything, it's a very humbling experience because you always have this vision of what it should be. But when you first start out, it doesn't become that right away. And that's the beauty of um, what I call the process. And so um, you have to be, you know, you have to be patient. You have to just kind of let life unfold and you have to do the work um, that comes with it. You can't give up. And so, so I think so many people, uh, well, we live in a generation right now where um, social media has taken control and um, heavily influences the lives of so many of the younger generation. And so people are so obsessed with competing and comparing themselves to people on social media who have really applied filters to their life. So when you post on social media, you don't post the bad things that go on. You don't post the struggle. You don't post the hard times that you had to endure. You always post the successes. And so when people are constantly comparing themselves on through social media, 
um, it's really hard. It takes a mental toll on, you know, some people because they're like, well, why can't I do this if they're doing this? But you don't know what that person had to go through. You don't know if, you know, things are, you know, peachy, are, are all peachy, you know, on their end of things. And so it's important to just kind of run your own race, stay in your own lane, and just trust that, you know, life will work out the way it's supposed to. Um, graduating um, and then going right into my master's was something that I knew I had to do because I knew if I took a break, uh, it would be really hard for me to kind of get back into the groove. And so I thought, you know, I'm already on fire. I already got this fire burning, so let's keep it going. And uh, I'll keep it going until I get that PhD. <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, the biggest thing is understanding that life will happen and accepting that life will happen. If you learn how to accept the cloudy days, you'll appreciate the sunshine even more. And that's my advice to, to everyone. You know, you just have to do what's best for you. Uh, it's good to, you know, have advice, but at the same time, don't let others completely influence what it is that you should be doing with your own life because you only get one life you only get one chance to live it and so make sure you live it the way that you want to live it you just said one of my favorite phrases that i say almost on a daily basis stay in your own lane and it goes in sync with the beautiful words from your mom be you yes you know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. I love that quote. So again, such wise words, Michael, you, you must be an old soul with all this wisdom in a young man's body. I love it. Now I like to switch gears here and talk about what I call the fab four. And these are just four fun questions, whatever's sitting on the top of your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. Share with us your favorite childhood memory. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but the few things that I do remember, I want to say I was in kindergarten or first grade, and we had a, um, a concert at the school, and this was the first time that I was really playing um, so I, I play all the percussion instruments, a little piano, um, and I, I do voice. And I started out on percussion. And so the my music teacher at the time knew that I was taking, you know, lessons. And so he allowed me to play next to him during the concert. And um, when I tell you, like, I don't know what came over me, um, but I thought I was Michael Jackson and Prince and James Brown all combined into one. And I stole the show and I just remember the, you know, the crowd cheering for me and uh, it was just a wonderful moment, but it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, okay, like I'm meant to be great. I'm meant to be, you know, a star and, you know, star, being a star doesn't always mean, you know, your, your name is in the big lights, but it means that you are, you know, that you are meant to be successful and great and have an impact on the lives of many. And I always tell people, you know, whatever your purpose is, whether it's comedy, whether it's dancing, you know, it's always helping people. If you're a comedian, you're helping people find laughter. If you're an actor, you're helping people find those inner emotions and entertain them. If you are a doctor, you know, you're helping heal the sick. If you are, um, you know, an educator, you're helping teach the next president of the United States. And so I always tell people, you know, as long as you find your purpose, um, you know, you'll have, you know, uh, what's the, it's the quote that says, they're the two most important days are the day you're born and the day you discover why. And I feel like uh, <laughs> that, that day during my childhood was one of the days that I discovered why I was born. 
Well, and I'll tell you what I love the most about that answer is not only is it your favorite childhood memory, but you just touched on such an important point. Being successful isn't about the initials after your name, the accolades you receive, the title, the office you sit in, the clothes you wear. Being successful is a mindset. Absolutely. And, and that mindset brings you right back to that memory when you drew the line in the sand and said, I'm destined for great things. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to be a leader. And I love hearing that from such a young leader like yourself. So well done. And what a fun memory. I might make you sing before we finish here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So my second question is, I'm going to give you a time capsule for okay. 20 for 2020. And before you bury it, tell us what you would put inside of it to represent 2020. Mm. If I could put anything into a time capsule to represent 2020, um, it would probably be a broken mirror in pieces, shattered in pieces. And I say that because um, I had to really examine who I was and who I wanted to be um, and kind of, you know, rebrand myself and uh, rediscover myself. And so I think, of, you know, you look in the mirror and I had to really ask, am I reflecting my true reflection? Um, and you know, so I had to shatter that mirror of I was being everything that everybody else wanted me to be instead of who I wanted to be and who I was meant to be. And, um, you know, that meant, you know, starting to put myself first, starting to uh, work out and eat right, starting to, you know, really um, be intentional about everything that I'm doing about my career path. And, um, you know, and, and it's a you know, this year was a major transition for me graduating and, you know, truly becoming an adult, even though I'm still in school. It's a totally different feeling. It's a totally different vibe. I got my first apartment, you know, I'm living on my own in a brand new city, don't know anyone. And so it was really a time for me to say, okay, it's time to grow up. It's time to, to bring on that next chapter. And I really had to examine and figure out, you know, who is Michael Weaver Jr. Um, and, you know, is, as life goes on, you know, that's a constant question of who, who are you? Who am I? And I think it changes over the, the time period of life. But um, I had to examine that for my life at this point. Well, that is so reflective. And I'm a big proponent of self-care. It's the foundational language to my brand. And that is probably one of the most unique answers I've heard about 2020 and it has been a year of pause and reflection and for some a reset and a renewal of self-care so very powerful i think oh okay. no you go ahead uh, i you know i think and so many people you know they're like oh throw 2020 away 2020 is a horrible year but if we're always focusing on the on the negative we'll never be able to see the positive you know some i think a lot of us just needed to really just be still you know quarantine was great um, in this, it wasn't great in the sense that I put on some weight <laughs> because I was just eating everything in the house, <laughs> but it was great in the sense that I really had a time to really pause and sit down and be still for one moment. Cause I was always so used to being on the go and I really had a chance to really focus on the things I needed to focus on and really, you know, find myself. And so 2020 has brought on some great things and, you know, it caused people to be innovative and creative and 
find new ways and new solutions to things. And so you just have to focus on the positive in, in the situations instead of the negative. And, you know, things are a lot better than, you know, they seem. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. So if I asked you to give advice to the 14-year-old Michael Weaver Jr., what would you tell him? Ooh, Lord, humble, humble yourself. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'll definitely tell myself to be humble, but I would also tell myself um, to really just, you know, continue to grow and, and um, focus on the things that you need to focus on, but just continue being you and let God lead you um, and just have fun, you know, just, you know, embrace. I think early on um, I became too serious about, I took myself too seriously. And I told, I just sent out, I have a daily motivational text that I send out to, um, to people. And I just said today in the message, don't take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself, learn to accept your flaws. And this is when you become the best you. And, um, you know, just learn to laugh at yourself and learn to be, you know, it's okay to be goofy. It's okay to have fun. Um, and I, that's probably the advice that I would give to my 14 year old. So. Wow. That's amazing. And again, I'm not surprised a lot of astuteness in your young wisdom. (laughs) Now I know you're a deep thinker, so I am going to ask you this question as my last one. What do you want your legacy to be? Wow. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm created my own quote. I was so big on, you know, having my own quotes and I used to quote myself. Um, <laughs> uh, but you, the one thing, the one quote that's always stuck out of all the quotes that I've tried to write, um, is I said, whether it's one person or a million people, as long as I impacted somebody that I've done my job and my, I, I hope my legacy is that, you know, I just, you know, plant seeds in people and it's able to blossom and help them create change in the world. And so a lot of times, you know, um, it's nice to be in the spotlight, but it's nice to have mentored or have guided someone to their own greatness. And that's how you create change. That's how you create everlasting, um, an everlasting legacy, because then they'll teach their children and their children, children, and um, it'll just continue. And so I hope that my legacy is that, you know, I'm able to be um, and and an educator that impacted the lives of students who was able to create um, opportunities and generational wealth for uh, African Americans. And I hope that at some point, you know, I could be in some movie. My, my, one of my fun goals is that I would be the first black Superman. Um, but, you know, um, my legacy is really just to hope that I have truly impacted at least one person along the way. And I would love for it to be a million, but even if it's only just, you know, 10 or 20 or one, then I've done my job. Well, I love that. And you have impacted me today. And I'm grateful that Lisa recommended you to be on the show. I'm excited to keep in touch with you and see where your master's degree takes you. And I think you should just keep on being that heart-centered leader and thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom and expertise with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I like to end the podcast, Michael, with my list of five things, which I feel really contribute to leading a purposeful life. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, 
and always be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thank you once again for joining me on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.